1: What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 97 of your favorite podcast, the Gordite Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, alongside my co host, Scott Simmons. And today, we're going to talk to you about some muscle priority training. What is that? Why do we use it? Where do we use it? And what is it used for? There's some really good information in here that maybe might get you thinking in the right direction of fixing those lagging body parts and bringing up your physique to win more shows or just have a better physique overall. So, inside, we're going to deep dive into that. Be ready to take some notes. As always, Episode 97 brought to you by Revive Supplements. Use code Mahaley15 at checkout. Or Raw Supplements. Use code Mahaley at checkout. 97. It is going down. So some of you who listen to this podcast, man, I really hope. Wait, do you know who Lee Haney is by chance? No. Google Lee Haney. You're going to see his physique and you're going to be like, fuck, that's insane. Okay. So he won uh, five Mr. Olympias. Actually, he won five straight Mr. Olympias um, in the 80s. And the first one came in 1984. He's one of my favorite physiques ever. I mean, he, you know, he fits the mold of like I've that's what classic picture. physique is. I've seen this yeah. picture. Yeah. It's his back pose where he's like, yeah, putting yeah. his arm out. He's yeah. amazing. I've seen this picture. But he's, he's incredible
0: monster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, Lee Haney was absolutely undeniable. Um, he's one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time, obviously five Mr. Olympias. but muscle priority training is something that he kind of coined or maybe brought to the forefront. Um, um, because in 1983 that was his first Olympia and he placed third um which un, just unbelievable um he lost to a, a guy named Samir, Samir Banut, who was you know again considered one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time he was uh, he was one of the first mass monsters uh, that there ever was Samir was um he was just absolutely huge uh, but you know so so Lee handy lost to him and quite frank, it wasn't very close. It wasn't a very close third place finish. Okay, so you know Lee Haney talked to the judges after the show, and he asked the judges, you know, what do I what do I need to work on? Um, and, you know, they said your your arms, you know, your arms are pretty weak. Well, you know, Scott just googled the pictures of Lee Haney, and I can assure you that the the arms are not very weak <laughs> <laughs> in the pictures that That's Scott's seen. Um, they're, they're they're absolutely unbelievable. So, what did Lee Haney do after the eighty three Olympia when they told him that he basically had small arms, right? He started muscle part training within his arms, specifically his biceps. And I want to talk about what he was doing, because I think even though it's kind of an old school principle um, and it's not something you hear about much, um, it's something that we need to utilize still today, because the reality is every one of you listening to this, if you've competed on stage before, you have a body part that's lagging. And you know, for me, it's my chest. My chest lags far behind everything else. Um, I also have pathetic arms, um, very mediocre traps, um, pretty small hamstrings. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You tell yourself in the mirror every day. Yeah, I tell myself in the mirror every day. No, but quite frank, you know, everything on my physique is very good, uh, very balanced, um, very powerful, except my chest lags behind a little bit. Now. I'm fortunate to be really good at posing, and so I can hide a little bit of it, right? But <laughs> your weak points really get exposed when you're on the national stage, <laughs> and you know, I, I, you know, USA's uh, next July, I cannot have a weak chest anymore, or else it's going to be quite embarrassing what happens up there. So what am I going about to fix this? Well, I'm actually going back to some of Lee Haney's principles, um, and I'm going to muscle muscle priority train my chest and my arms actually every single week. So how do we decide what our lagging body part is? Well, number one, if you're a competitor, this is why you always get judges' feedback every single show. I don't care if you win. I don't care if you just won the Olympia. Get judges' feedback because there's something we can improve upon, right? But number two, you always want to assess your weak points. So this isn't just like looking in the mirror or it's not maybe like, hey, Scott, you know, so what do you think my weak points are? When Scott watches me lift an entire mountain every single day in the gym, it's tough for Scott to be unbiased in his opinion. Mm -hmm. It's tough for you to look in the mirror and really get to the point of like really breaking your physique down. Because when we're watching ourselves pose in the mirror, you're also going to, you know, you're only going to be so honest, mm-hmm. right? It's like human nature only be so honest. Sure. Whereas if you fucking take pictures, like when you take your check-in pictures for your coach every week, well, it's glaring and mm-hmm. it, it shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I um I, I posted um some of my check-in pictures on my story. Uh, when you guys hear this, it'll be yesterday, but a couple hours ago. And, you know, everything looks really good. Everything's big. It's growing. It's improving. And then in my side chest, my chest looks really flat. All right. So I don't care putting that out there. It's okay. Uh, it is what it is. My chest looks flat and I have a 500 pound bench press. All right. So what does this mean? This means the way that I'm training it is just not as good as the way I'm training everything else. And so we want to assess this lagging body part and, you know, maybe two, maybe three. All right. Which one's lagging the most? that's holding your physique back. There's one, there's one that's lagging the most and you have to figure that out and pinpoint that first. So what is muscle priority training from here? Number one, I'm going to relate it all back to my chest. And so anytime I say chest, you fill in that blank with whatever yours might be, whether it be, you know, hamstrings or lats or traps or, um, you know, lateral delts, whatever it might be, just fill in the blank with whatever it is on you. So number one, we're going to train I'm going to train my chest first and I'm going to hit with absolute maximal intensity. So I took my check in pictures. I checked in with uh, Matt today and my legs are bonkers. They're they're close to to, you know, being um, like national champion caliber. And so that's from the front back in the side. So. What we're going to do is because right now I'm hitting legs every fourth day, and I'm hitting legs always after a rest day, or commonly after a rest day as well. So we're going to switch that around. I'm only going to train legs one time a week, and I'm going to train, I'm going to bias my chest uh, an additional day a week, so three days a week. But on that third day, it's not going to be just straight chest. It's going to be you know all weak body parts. So chest, and then biceps, and then triceps, and then lateral delts. So, like, that's essentially how that, extra, that how that day is going to go, right? So, like I told you, identify maybe three weak body parts. And if you substitute in one strong body part day for a weak body part day, that's essentially how you would go about it, okay? So, you're going to train your weak body part first with maximal intensity as much effort as you can probably put in. Look, so my biceps and triceps, not that they're weak, but they lag behind the the size of my lats and delts a little bit, right? I always train biceps and triceps at the end of a session after I completed a, you know, push day, a pull day, whatever it might be. The last thing I do is always biceps and triceps. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to move that to first. Now, the first thing I do is going to be biceps and triceps. Um, And when you train first, you have the most focus. You're the most hyped up. You have the most energy, the most glycogen source, the most readily available resources to be able to have a great workout. Okay. That's huge. That's how we achieve max intensity and how we achieve max intensity. What comes along with that is maximal overload with maximal overload, maximal stimulation. That's how we get maximal growth. Sometimes you only train that body part. So let's say I we chest on that third day. Maybe I hit, you know, a pull day the day before, and I hit a push day uh, the day before, um, which obviously there was chest bias in the push day. So now I'm coming off back to back training sessions of upper body. There's not a lot that I have to give here, but I need to hit this chest again to get more volume in on this chest with great effort, right? So I don't want to tap into, you know, systemic recovery. I'm already lagging behind on my third fucking training day. All right. So I don't want to push it too far. I'm not going to have a full out, you know, attack session. Like I said, with the, the the day that I'm going to have designated for weak body parts, we might not want to do that if it falls on the last day of a training cycle. It's every fourth day I take a rest day. So I'm only going to train chest. Maybe chest fly, a dumbbell press or a, a dumbbell floor press and a Smith machine incline press. And I'm just going to do three things, two sets, six working sets total for the day and get out. So I gave it stimulation that it needed to be able to force an adaptation that you have to recover from. Okay, so sometimes you're only going to train that weak body part. Another thing I want to see is train this weak body part after a rest day. Can we program where you train this after a rest day? Can that fit somewhere in your schedule? Because coming out of rest day, I mean, you're fully rested, you're fully recovered, you're ready to go. So why would I come out of rest day, crush legs? When my legs are, you know, my strong point. I made a joke in my post about if there was a men's wellness yeah, division, oh, <laughs> y'all better look out. If they make it with men's wellness, imagine me posing like the wellness girls. That'd be so funny. that look good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a men's wellness, it's over for you motherfuckers. Let me just say, <laughs> but you're going to train after a <clears> rest day. <throat> So you can be fully recovered. You can be fully focused and you can just put pedal to the metal, everything you got ready to go. You don't have any fatigue lingering from the day prior. Uh, you know, your nervous system should be completely recovered, peripheral nervous uh, per- peripheral or central. All of them, everything should be hundred percent full go. Something I really want people to do that, you know, might not make a lot of sense to many folks. How many sets are you doing on these body parts throughout the week? So right now um, for chest. I'm doing like 16 sets per week. And so this upcoming week, um, starting this upcoming week, I'm going to go down to 14. So it's only two set difference, right? But the 16 right now is spread across two days. That 14 is going to be spread across three days. I'm going to train with less overall sets, not necessarily volume, less overall sets. I'm bumping up the frequency, so I am keeping... That muscle uh, under recovered for a majority of the week. Okay. Never falling behind on recovery completely, never overtraining. Sometimes it's just going to be lagging a bit in its recovery because of how often I'm going to be hitting it. But if I kept it at 16 across three days, because there's, you know, sometimes two days less in between each session that I'm hitting that body part. Well, then I would have recovery issues, right? So I'm going to start with 14 across three days. um, And I'm going to see how recovery is from there. Um, I might have to drop down to 12, but I'm going to increase the amount of angles that I'm hitting my chest at. So I'm going to incorporate some machine work that's super stable, that feels really good and allows me to just really crush that chest. I don't do a lot of machine work right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all dumbbell barbell. Um, you know, there's cable chest flights that I do, but so I'm going to be adding a new stimulus from the machine work and I'm going to be controlling the shit out of every single eccentric. So not necessarily drop the load at all. Um, you know, on, on majority of the exercises, we're going to, you know, so focus on progressive overload, but on some of them, I'm going to focus, like if I'm, when I get into a machine, I'm going to focus on how much tension Mm -hmm. I'm going to, so I'm going to keep the weight at. Um, let's say we're doing like the, the decline. I really like that plate loaded decline press Mm -hmm. that we have it Mm -hmm. house gains. So I'm going to put on four plates and I'm going to see how long I can keep the muscle under tension for a set of four plates. I'm going to time it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's 24 seconds. Pretty good set. Right? So next week I need to get 27 Mm -hmm. next week. I need to get 29, Mm -hmm. 32 all the way up and fuck. Maybe I get up to a place where I can hit it for fifty seconds straight.
0: Are you are you going to be? You're going to have to ch- hit chest yep. two days in a row at one point, right? No, always,
1: no, I'll always take a rest day in between. So you're doing three. If, total, if it comes to that, using, I'll space it out.
0: You're using three days right dedicated yep. to some chest movements. Yep. One of those being a lagging body part so, day.
1: So, but remember how I do my split is on a nine day.
0: That's true. Yeah. So so
1: my split doesn't work. I should, I should, that that's actually a good question because yeah, people are going to be like, well, how are you going to, so everything I do is on a nine day rotation Mm -hmm. because I do take a lot of rest days. Um, yes, that's a really, really good question. Um, and honestly, I kind of recommend like y'all not, don't think about it in a week because you know, like, you know, I pr- like, I program for eight days. don't think about it Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Just think, think about it. Um, Like think about it, like start a protocol to end a protocol, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything because, you know, it's funny. I, I'll send out like I'll maybe program for eight days or nine days or 10 days for a client. I'll send it out and they're like, so in a week, what am I supposed to do? And it's like, so, you know, the week doesn't really matter. It's like, yeah. what are we doing across the month? Sure. Right. Um, yeah. So that's actually a really good question because I know someone out there was thinking about that. So I'm gonna have fewer sets. I'm gonna have more frequency and I'm just gonna focus on overloading through you know different angles. And how many angles can I hit the chest from? How many angles can I hit the lateral delt from, which there's only so many angles you can really hit it from? And how many angles can I hit biceps, triceps from, which there's a fuck ton of angles that you can hit those from? I'm even gonna break some of my training beliefs for the bicep and tricep training, you know i hate when anything like any grip on those that's inside shoulder width is just not optimal Mm. right for 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 the most contraction possible for a completely biased um movement it's Mm -hmm. just it's not the most optimal Mm -hmm. at or slightly wider than shoulder width is the most optimal way well I'm gonna break a little bit of that just just to hit it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Just to load it up with more load and hit it from a different angle. And you know, hopes, you know, we're gonna see. We're gonna find out. But in hopes you gotta start you know,
0: doing hammer curls. Yeah. <laughs> <probably not. laughs>
1: I don't I mean, I I don't know. If I find them beneficial to helping me, yeah, you know, improve my biceps, and I would, I just I don't see them as a you know very good bicep exercise but yeah i'm not i'm not really a big hammer curl fan if you ever see me post an instagram photo of a hammer curl just know that i grabbed scott and i was like hey i'm gonna do one set that's of these just for the just <laughs> we the have picture. one photo for that yeah.
0: that was that moment yeah, it's you cool, were in fuck. like a white revive shirt like i have a huge pump right now yeah let's take a picture let's of take a picture of the hammer yeah. curls. fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah and it looks
1: nasty it's a nasty yeah, photo fuck yeah um something else i want to see you guys. i want to see you train fast which again is you know breaking some of my overall beliefs i don't want to say that's really breaking a belief it's different than What I commonly preach, because I commonly preach, yo, take as much rest time as you need to recover in between a a set, right? But we're we're training very very focused here. We're we're, we are focusing on one lagging body part, and we are dialing the fuck in on that. So you know, the less rest periods we take, as long as our our execute our exercise selection and our biomechanical setup is proper, the more overloaded that muscle is going to get the more other fibers are gonna get stimulated to come in and help. As long as we have perfect intent with what we are doing, cutting down rest periods is going to help. It's, it's going to help for the current goal, right? We're gonna utilize this for like a six to eight week period. right? over six to eight weeks, we're gonna assess, we're gonna see what happened in the last six to eight weeks and we're gonna see kind of what we should go to next. This isn't something I do year round, all right? Because, you know, year round, more often than not, you like to be on a balance approach mm-hmm. of, you know, everything gets, you know, equally stimulated throughout the weeks so that your body kind of grows as a systemic unit um, in one direction.
0: Well, that's why you said you're change, You saw your legs. So yeah. now you're pulling back on legs in the yeah. system and then you're re, you're pivoting and yeah. focusing so on, on upper.
1: If it works out that way, I'll only be training legs maybe once every 10 days even. Yeah. It's so like three times a month.
0: But then as you. Level back out. Yeah. I'll now go you back, back in, you know, five or six. Yeah.
1: And, you know, obviously there's going to be big changes in that. So, um, and also, I, you know, I have that quad injury. It's been really fucking, this funny. will be nice for that. So, yeah, this is going <laughs> to, my quad's really thinking. Yeah. It, it, man, it's, it's gotten fucking painful. It's definitely started yeah. inhibiting life a bit, but yeah, I think this is going to help a lot. So, um, Another, man, this is an often overlooked element. Visualize your perfect training. Like when you're getting warmed up or when I go for my morning walks, or anything, I'm visualizing perfect execution within training, just perfect execution. And I want you doing that too. I want you, you're warming up on the treadmill. Put your phone away and visualize a perfect set. And visualize, you know, what the chest is going to look like contracting underneath the Smith machine, you know, at the top of every single set with those elbows pushing through the ceiling. And you see your pecs kind of rising up, right? Visualize perfect training. Then you're already setting yourself up. You're already setting yourself up for success within that movement pattern. Because before you got there, you've already, you already know exactly what you're going to do. And, you know, then you utilize one feeder set to make sure that exactly what you were visualizing is reality. And, you know, then we get into working sets.
0: I've noticed more often than not, since you've kind of taught us that, you know, that when I go for PRs, yeah. it seems to help kind of look at look at the machine and oh, just absolutely. like play the movie yeah right and just and you know feel it and kind yeah. of like you know set up and everything like that
1: and, and it, visualize the weight moving
0: yeah, yeah yeah and then you feel the you kind of i almost sometimes what i do it seems kind of i feel like it's kind of silly i'll like engage my let's say it's a hack squat. Yeah. It's, it's typically on hack squat because it's yeah. the heaviest movement for me is i'll engage my quads yeah. and like feel myself like tensing up a little bit yeah as i'm pretending like visualizing that come up
1: yeah I think and then good.
0: and then we'll i'll go into it and usually i tend to get more
1: than i anticipated and your motor units are already prepared for that too yeah like that there is a great art and visualization mm-hmm. and it's also there's a great art in knowing that what you're about to accomplish has already been accomplished in your mind mm-hmm. so if you just go into a blank you aren't really going to know what to understand right yeah if you get under a 500 pound bar loaded up on a bench press and you've never visualized it before you have no fucking idea what's coming
0: right mm-hmm.
1: even if you know you worked up to that set with you know 405 455 500 You can work up to that set all you want until it's here, you know, staring you in the face. You have no idea what's actually going to happen. So I think visualization is a massive part of the manifestation of achieving perfect execution in your training. And yeah, if you're a competitor, it's that important. If you're not a competitor, you're listening to this. It's still that important to make really, really, really optimal physique progress here and performance progress. So I would suggest one heavy basic exercise for, mo- for the muscle group you're focusing on. And so I'm gonna have three days for chest. So one of those exercises is gonna be a cable chest fly, a seated cable chest fly. One of those exercises is gonna be a Smith machine um, uh, flat bench press, because I get an amazing contraction on that. And then the other one's gonna be a dumbbell bench press. All right, so there's one heavy basic exercise for the muscle group you're focusing on on each of the days that you're focusing on that muscle group. Okay. We're going to keep that pretty stable throughout because we want a progressive overload, right? We want to see those numbers going up. This is how we can assure those numbers are going up. I think a good technique to utilize here and when I've started utilizing it, uh, that Matt had me start utilizing back um, in my chest training, is a pre exhaust technique. I want to touch on this a little bit more later. So I'm not going to dive too dip, too deeply into it. But when you pre exhaust the muscle, um, so. There's a few different routes you can take here. I'm gonna go ahead and was, I'm, gonna, just, I'm gonna go ahead and just dive into it. It makes now. sense too. So one method of pre exhaust is you hit an exercise that is an isolated exercise targeting the muscle that you're, you're focusing on, right? So um, a dumbbell chest fly. All right. Not a lot of secondary or tertiary muscles helping here. It's primarily a pec movement we would, you know, superset that with, let's say, maybe a bench press, right? And, you know, bench press, we have the triceps, we have anterior delts, um, you know, we, we have secondary tertiary muscles that, you know, are working here, are helping us out. And a bench press, your chest is never going to completely exhaust because your anterior delts, your triceps are going to exhaust first. And then, you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to have to rack the load and because you're done moving that heavy of a load. No, no matter what load it is, the triceps, and interior delts are probably going to you know, uh, go first. You got to rack it up because you can't move it anymore, but your chest didn't really get overly stimulated, right? Well, if we pre-exhaust and we do this dumbbell chest fly first and we just tax the hell out of these pec fibers and then we get in right away. I mean, like within five seconds, we get under that bench press bar and we start going. Well, your pecs are already completely maxed out, so now they're giving everything they've got with all the muscle fibers that they possibly have to give Put into moving this load from point a to point b but your triceps and anterior delts have to really overcompensate here but your pecs are giving everything they got like we are overstimulating we're honestly overstimulating everything at this point because triceps and anterior delts are used to the pecs helping as much as they commonly do so now they're getting completely overloaded by 315 pounds on the bar more than normal the pecs are putting every muscle fiber they have into moving this load and Fuck. That's a hell of a stimulus. That's a hell of a fucking stimulus. So you got to recover from that's one way to do it. Um, personally, it sounds amazing in theory, but I don't do it a ton in reality. Um Why? I'm not sure. I guess my train like that just wasn't growing much, mm. to be honest. Now I could I circle back around to it and see because my train's much better. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I did used to train like that for a while uh, back when I was like 210 to 220. I just I just didn't see a ton from it. Were we kind of pre exhausting in a way, or maybe
0: not when we were doing the. Uh Cable chest fly rest pauses.
1: Yeah, so that's another way of of um that's that's my preferred method of pre-exhaust. Not saying it's the best; it's just my preferred. Mm. So what we start doing is before our heavy pressing movements on push day, we went into the cable uh, chest flies. We did seated cable chest flies with a ninety degree bench, and um. We, you know, did two straight sets there, and then we did a rest pulse set. And, you know, obviously, you know, this is a pec-heavy movement. This is very pec-centric, all right? Not a ton of anterior delt. There is some anterior delt. There is some tricep. This is very, very, very pec-heavy, okay? So, you know, we're, we're cranking these out, cranking them out, cranking them out, and then you get done with that, and your pecs are fucking fried, And then you get into the presses and, you you know, you, I mean, you got to take off 25% on those presses Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, hit the rep range that we were working in. Um, you know, it's very humbling, but again, same thing, like the pecs are holding on for dear life. They're trying to give everything they can, um, you know, Finding exercises that fit that really well is very important because we were doing dumbbell presses. And I think after we did the cable chest flies, I was using like 155s. Um, and that there was a lot of shoulder tension from mm-hmm. doing that second. So I've actually pulled those out and that's when I switched to the Smith machine, mm-hmm. um, flat press. Mm-hmm. And it's been way, way, way better because you can just control it so much more. Um, so that's my preferred way of, um, pre exhaust is. You know, we do, we pick an exercise and we do, you know, straight sets or intensifiers within this exercise.
0: I have, I have a random question. Yeah. What's your favorite pump feeling in the like <sighs> body part?
1: Man, I got to say, dude. When... Man, when when my fucking biceps are pumped... <laughs> yeah. That's, you like that? <sighs> man, for me, it's chest. I feel huge. Chest is a really good one. I like chest a lot. I enjoy... I, I enjoy, um, enjoy lats because I feel like I'm about to rip out of my shirt. Okay. Okay. Man, but man, a gnarly bicep pump. Yeah. Man, I feel like... I feel like that's the milkshake that brings all the girls to the yard. <laughs> I do. I believe that's the milkshake that the women want want to taste of. <laughs> I have <I've> lately <laughs> tasted,
0: Jesus. I've lately enjoyed the uh, the leg pump.
1: Yeah, oh man, I've it's lately
0: painful, huh? It's painful, but man, if, when you look at your legs and you're squeezing on your shorts, yep. That's a good feeling. And it's like,
1: ooh Oh, yeah, that's, daddy girl, that's a good
0: feeling. Yeah, that yeah. shit
1: feels fucking good. I agree. And a gnarly leg pump is fun. And like, like, you're just kind of waddling around the gym, like trying to, like begging for this blood to get the fuck out of your legs. it's like, so for me, sure. oh, it's painful. Yeah. 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 That's a fucking bitch, dude. Yeah. Honestly, like I that like that's the part of the session that i most look forward to is like man i love tapping in and getting into the zone of like the other day when i was doing the 405 pound bent over rose mm-hmm. yeah, that was our third exercise that was a yeah. monster mm-hmm. hit like i i get really excited for that um that's kind of the competitive uh drive fulfillment that i need mm-hmm. but man the, the my favorite part of the session is when we're just pumped we're yeah. just filthily pumped yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, i yeah. love that like painful yep i yep. love that shit. so that's you know that's kind of my spiel on pre-exhaust i do think it's a really good technique to use i think for every body part it can help greatly i mean think about you know if you're gonna if you decide your weak body parts biceps and we're gonna go in you know we're gonna hit um uh, like lying lion incline dumbbell curls an amazing bicep exercise one of my favorite ones we're going to crush that. You know, we're going to two straight sets then we do a rest pulse set. You are going to be pumped out of your mind. And then after that, we get into actual like training back. I mean, think how much your biceps help you on your back day, especially if you're, you know, pretty developed uh, physique, your biceps help a lot, man. You're going to get an incredible involvement from your back by utilizing pre-exhaust, um, you know, on some of your sessions, if you feel like that's a weak area that we really need to improve on. But even more so, if you do biceps first, because it's your lagging body part, your biceps are going to be giving everything they got. They're torn apart. They're ripped to shreds. They're tired. They're fatigued and they're but but they're going to keep fighting for you. your brain is going to keep fighting for you. you your brain is going to make these biceps continue to fire, continue to you know, pull their end uh, of like hold up their end of the bargain. Um, so you're going to continue getting stimulation the rest of the fucking train session of those biceps. So, you know, pre exhaust Great technique, and I don't know if it's something I'd use year round because it is also going to take off from the you know the top set load that you're able to utilize. Mm-hmm. Um, you pre exhaust the biceps, you know, you're probably going to have to cut off fifteen percent of the load that you're going to move. Um, you know, for your next back um, exercise. And you know that's substantial now can we still completely simulate absolutely we can because remember with the pre exhaust technique your you know back at your lats your traps your rhomboids whatever it might be um you know they're they still got to move that load they still got to hold up there into the bargain right um but there is something to be said about continually overloading with extremely fucking heavy loads in the body you know being left no option but it, has to grow and it absolutely has to grow because you're you're taken out of your comfort zone so you know just kind of a food for thought there if you will very 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 important when you're training like this when you're muscle priority training lagging body parts how heavy can you go with perfect intent how heavy can you go with perfect biomechanics we want the stress hitting on the lagging body part so we need perfect form we need perfect intent we can't break those two things. Utilize intensifiers. We touched on that a little bit. Supersets. Rest pause. Those are my two personal favorites. A cluster set is, you know, absolutely fucking nasty. Pyramids. um, Any of those items are really, really good. So utilize the intensifiers as need be drop sets, obviously not a massive drop set fan. Uh, Like anything, there's there's a time and a fucking place, right? Sometimes it's fun as hell to be doing lateral raises and you run the rack. You start at 60 till death. You go to 55 till death, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Man, I haven't done that in a while. Sounds like fun. That sounds like kind of pain I need in my life. (laughs) Speaking of pain, like anything with training, your fucking pain tolerance matters a lot here, especially with a lagging body part. There's a reason it's lagging and it's likely because the training biomechanics behind it aren't proper or. Your, your exercise selection is not putting it in the best position to grow. Or, man, honestly, maybe you're just not fucking training it very hard because you can't take the pain the way you can in, in other body parts. You better have some high-ass fucking pain tolerance and continue to push your pain tolerance. Don't, don't be scared of how fucking hard it's going to be. Like, that should get your competitive juices flowing. When I'm going into a set and I'm like, oh, this motherfucker is about to fucking hurt. Like that's when, that's when it's exciting. That's when shit gets fucking fun, man. That's when it gets real because that weight's going to punch in the mouth. And if it punches harder than you, then you're going to lose. You're going to lose that set. So you got to be able to punch right the fuck back. So have a massive, massive pain tolerance, have an extremely positive attitude. Again, you know, you start training like this and you put up something heavy on the load and it's like, fuck, I don't know if I can get that. Well, fuck it, you're probably not going to now. You walk into that thing knowing you're about to fucking dominate because that's all that matters. That's all that matter. That's how we get better. We don't get better by, oh man, you know, I don't know if I can hit that. No, we get better by fucking jumping in the water and finding out if you can do it or not. You don't learn how to fucking fight a war by staying on the sidelines. You got to be in there with the bullets flying. So put yourself in there, you know, make yourself become something based off how you approach your sets. And last point I have here, beat the logbook, continually beat the logbook. It's so fucking important. You guys, if you're not keeping a logbook, you don't know if you're progressing. You have no fucking idea if you're progressing, quite frank. A logbook is a bodybuilder's best friend. It really is. I mean, on the list of importance within you becoming a bodybuilder, man, a logbook is its high up there. It's very, very, very high up there. So muscle priority training. Lee Haney kind of introduced it. Uh, Joe Weider, you know, had a massive influence on it. Um, I mean, exercise physiologists for years. Uh, Physiologists going back to the 70s have, you know, talked about this principle. They still do. It's very effective. It's very good. I highly suggest utilizing it for lagging body parts. Bring up those body parts. But you also you learn how to train those body parts better. Because the body parts lagging because it's not getting the same attention or effort as the other body parts are so you can really really build up your physique, you can build a greater physique, you can win more shows, you can impress more people including yourself and you can have a greater performance by going through spouts of muscle priority training. Like I said, I do this for maybe six to eight weeks. This isn't like year round thing by any stretch of imagination. But As always, I hope this podcast helps. I hope it gets you closer to your fitness goals. Episode 97, we'll see you next time.